Hello and welcome to the On-Call Consults in Less Than 10 Minute series on ENT in a Nutshell, a complement to Headmere's online survival guide. I'm your host, Will Dittar, and today we're joined by Dr. Brianna Burris, a Chief Resident of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery. In this episode, we will cover odontogenic infections. Let's jump right in. So we will focus on infections with orofacial soft tissue involvement with exclusion of Ludwig's angina, which will be covered in a separate episode. These typically polymicrobial infections can present secondary to untreated caries, but may also present after dental trauma or procedures such as implant placements, extractions, or sinus lifts. Dr. Burris, what is the disease progression of odontogenic infections? Dental caries are the result of three factors, time, acid, and bacteria. Untreated caries erode teeth, eventually causing pulpal necrosis. The necrotic pulp tissue has the potential to cause a circumscribed infection at the tooth root, called a periapical abscess. Periapical abscesses can expand, resulting in cortical breakthrough of adjacent bone with spread of the abscess to three locations, the attached gingiva, oral vestibules, and adjacent fascial faces. Patients may present at any point during the three stages of odontogenic infections, inoculation, cellulitis, or abscess. Abscess formation is the third and final stage. And can you give us a differential diagnosis? Yes. Osteomyelitis, osteoradionecrosis or bisphosphonate-associated osteonecrosis, sialadenitis, odontogenic and non-odontogenic cysts and tumors of the head and neck, including malignancy. And what about the can't-miss diagnoses? Sepsis, Ludwig's angina, mediastinitis, necrotizing fasciitis, and Lemire syndrome. And what are the risk factors, including some of the predisposing conditions? Poor dental hygiene, high number of decayed, missing, or previously filled teeth, history of untreated dental trauma or recent dental procedures, as dental handpieces can cause air emphysema, or immunosuppression. And what is the disease presentation and what history should we take? Begin with a brief history and basic airway evaluation. And if signs of impending airway compromise, stay with the patient, activate OR and anesthesia, notify your senior resident, and mobilize help in obtaining airway adjuncts and supplies. If a patient is stable, obtain comprehensive history, including symptom progression and symptom duration. Preceding dental pain is nearly universal. History and timeline of progressive facial swelling. As previously discussed, obtain a thorough prior medical history, especially any history of immunosuppression, surgical history, including recent dental work, or a social history of drug use. What are the key supplies that you would bring to these consults? Appropriate PPE, a headlight, and a tongue depressor. And can you tell us about the physical exam? A complete head and neck exam with attention to intraoral exam, including mouth opening measured in millimeters, fluctuance adjacent to decayed teeth, signs of infection localizing to a specific tooth like tenderness to palpation, presence of a parulus, a boil of the gum, spontaneous purulence. Note any grossly decayed teeth. And are there any physical exam findings that are specific to involved spaces? Absolutely. A canine space infection may present with medial cheek swelling with blunting of the nasolabial fold. It can progress to periorbital swelling and poses a theoretical risk for cavernous sinus thrombosis. Buccal space infections may present with tense cheek swelling with extension from parotid to philtrum, usually without trismus, despite impressive swelling. 
Masticator space, the hallmark is trismus and may have minimal external swelling if predominant pterygomandibular space involvement. In submandibular spaces, a hallmark is an obscured inferior border of the mandible. Sublingual spaces may present with an indurated and elevated floor of mouth. Peripharyngeal space infections usually present as an occult infection with minimal external swelling. It's characterized by dysphonia, dysphagia, and trismus. Retropharyngeal space infections are characterized by toxic appearing patients with limited neck range of motion. So Dr. Burris, I know it's really important when seeing these patients to decide if it's a dangerous space involved. Can you walk us through what are the moderate and what are the high severity spaces? Yes. Anatomic spaces of moderate severity include submandibular, submental, sublingual, pterygomandibular, submasseteric, superficial temporal, and deep temporal spaces. Anatomic spaces of high severity include lateral pharyngeal, retropharyngeal, pretracheal, and the danger space. And what are, the, are some of the signs and symptoms of high severity space involvement? Odynophagia, dysphagia, dyspnea, dysphonia, elevation of the floor of mouth, palatal asymmetry, tripoding withdrawing, or limited neck range of motion. And what about the diagnostic workup? It's important to obtain labs, including a CBC and CMP. A CT maxillofacial with contrast is preferred in most cases, but do not delay securing an airway for imaging if impending or active airway distress. On the CT, you want to look for hypodense fluid collections and cortical breakthrough associated with teeth. Not all facial swelling is an odontogenic infection. Consider biopsy as malignancies can present with secondary infections. Obtain cultures if you take the patient to the OR or previous antibiotic failure. And what are the eight principles of managing odontogenic infections? The first is determining the severity of infection, evaluate host defenses, determine the setting of care, treat surgically, support medically, choose and prescribe antibiotic therapy, administer the antibiotic properly, evaluate the patient frequently. Great. Now, can you walk us through the acute treatment? Have a low threshold for securing an airway. The primary objective of surgical intervention is establishing dependent drainage of the purulent material. Controversy exists regarding the decision to IND cellulitis versus medically managing, but that discussion is beyond the scope of this talk. Keep in mind the ultimate objective in management is definitive source control via removal of suspected etiology. And what are your recommendations regarding medical management? The first step is initiation of empiric broad-spectrum antibiotics. For adults with low to moderate severity space involvement without severe complications, consider amoxicillin or clindamycin if there's a penicillin allergy. Augmentin is reserved for escalation of antibiotics after previous antibiotic failure or patients with several comorbidities. If treating an inpatient admitted due to systemic signs, immune compromise, or danger space involvement, then start with ampicillin sulbactam, ampicillin with flagyl, or ceftriaxone with clindamycin and metronidazole. Weigh scheduled steroid use with hyperglycemia and worsening leukocytosis. 
keep all patients in PO during medical trials and have a low threshold to repeat a CT neck with contrast if not clinically improving. And what is the disposition and follow-up that you recommend? With improving clinical course, patients may be transitioned from IV to oral antibiotics and continue paradex rinses. Follow-up with a general dentist or oral surgeon immediately after discharge for definitive source control. And close follow-up to emphasize mouth opening exercises to resolve trismus and diligent oral hygiene. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Burris. So that concludes our episode on odontogenic infections. Thank you.